Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. This is Dr. Thaddeus Venture, and you're listening to the Long Box Guys. Whatever that means. the long box guys gonna do tonight brain the same thing the long box guys do every night pinky drink and talk about comics they're useless to taking over the world yes hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the long box guys with me as always are some of my very favorite people my best friends since i was a little bitty kid mikey how you doing what are you drinking i am doing well and i am drinking some two roads old factory pills it's it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's a pilsner. Yeah, it's a pilsner. There's nothing there's nothing exciting about a pilsner. I, I, I suppose you're not a pills guy. Man, <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what are you drinking there, buddy? Uh, I went dark and just went with an old standard, and I'm having a Founders Porter. Founders Porter. That's a, the, I've had those. They're pretty good beers. Yeah. If you're yeah. for something. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Michigan Founders does a great job. Yeah. It's a little bit like a loaf of bread, but still, it's delicious. It's a delicious loaf of bread. Tommy, how about you? What are you drinking over there, pal? I'm drinking some Airstone Sea Cast Scotch. It's delicious. Ooh. Is it? What makes it Sea Cast? Cask. Uh, just, uh, just what? Just one of their their brands. They have different different ones. It's too bad. I'm a man of the sea. I would like something that was actually like in barrels that were. Touched by the salt of the spray of the ocean. So I mean, like it probably is closer to the sea is where the barrels are kept. All right. Matured for over 10 years in warehouses located near the sea for a smooth-tasting whiskey with an air of sea salt on the finish. So you're saying I'm right? Yeah. Good, because I was afraid I was Wong. And Wong is what we're talking about here today. <laughs> that was a long. Wow. That was a long, long walk. The <laughs> long walk for a short hug, but here we go. We made it there, buddies. Yeah, you did. Uh, Doctor Strange's right hand man, and so much more. Um, the character actually has a pretty great storied history. He's been around the Marvel universe for as long, almost as long as Doctor Strange. I think he comes in at just uh, uh, like real quickly in there. So, uh, Mikey, why don't you give us some of the backstory? Of Thaddeus Cornelius Wong. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first uh, appearing in Strange Tales number 110 back in 1961. Uh, Wong, that's his name, has also gone by the alias of Cato. <laughs> Why? Peasant. Pajama Boy. And Wong Shot. Uh, are these aliases or racial slurs? Uh, Pajama Boy was from Marvel Holiday Special number uh, in 2006. That's late in the game. Yeah. Late in the game for that, sure. Yeah. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he has a couple of 
uh, powers. He is a very gifted mystic in his own right and is an expert in martial arts. Does anybody know what kind of martial arts? I happen to know it's not uh, it's not Shinanju. Of course, that's the mystical martial art of Primo Williams. The adventure begins. Uh, but I do know he is kite in spider-style martial arts. Uh, it's called Kamertage. Kamertage. I like that. Uh, so as a uh, martial artist, he has been able to defeat several of Doctor Strange's opponents using just his physical presence rather than using mystical means. Uh, as Wong, as Wong's origin actually goes back generations and generations, for centuries, his family has been serving as the assistant to the ancient one. So for 10 generations, the first born male of the family would take over the responsibilities up until Wong came along when uh, he reported to the ancient one to become uh, to take over for his father. The ancient one instead sent him to uh, be the assistant to Dr. Stephen Strange, who was going to take over for the Ancient One as the Sorcerer Supreme. And Wong was less than pleased with that assignment. Uh, Wong has uh, in the past said that he is so happy that when he decided to serve the Sorcerer Supreme, he got to become a second-rate Jarvis for a... <laughs> a second-rate Avenger. yeah. Um, but Wong is more than that. Wong has been the caretaker of the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is not an easy job. And also, for a long time, unbeknownst to Doctor Strange, Wong was taking care of him by uh, having a group of monks suffer for the magic that Stephen Strange was doing. Now, let's, let's dwell on that for just a second. So we're talking about an entire monastic order when Stephen Strange would take physical, mental, or mystical damage instead of taking it on himself as they took on these wounds. Not quite. Uh, so all magic comes at a price uh, to the caster. So it wasn't when, it, like, if, if he got shot, it's not like the, a monk would take the damage. But if he used his magic the magic damage that it would normally cause him was transferred over to these monks instead. So Strange did not realize the enormous amount of damage that he was doing to all these people for years and years and years. To an entire giant monastery full of monks. Yeah. Yes. So like yeah. the batteries yeah. in the Matrix, right? They just power everything. Yeah. Take, and that was in the, 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 uh, the way of the weird storyline by Jason Aaron. And Chris Bacchio. And then also, when Doctor Strange confronted, they also made one of his own worst enemies. And uh, by when he uh, absorbed that uh, energy back, what was that monster called? Anybody remember? Wong back. Was it the unknown? <laughs> it might have been the unknown. It was You're talking about the void. The void. Thank you. Yeah. What? Uh, LT, did you want to talk about that series? It seems like you were prepared for that. Well, I mean, it was a good series. I've read, I've read several of the volumes uh, in it, and it was just a, it was a, a great series where 
magic throughout the dimensions was being hunted down and uh, all the Sorcerer Supremes for different dimensions were being killed off. And uh, a message was sent to Doctor Strange from one of the Sorcerer Supremes that, it, that, that this being was coming to kill off magic. And he tried to stop it, summoning all of the magicians from, from Earth to kind of hold the line at Earth. And it was just a very good story. And uh, one of the things that did stop it was the void creature that had, had been festering in Doctor Strange's cellar because they had no way to deal with that. They had never seen anything like it. It was very powerful, and it was one of the things that they were unprepared for. It was just a great series by Jason Aaron. So Wong has constantly been the right-hand man of Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange uh, has paid Wong back uh, by curing him of a bout of cancer. Um, But at a certain point, Wong finally had enough and left Doctor Strange and struck out on his own. Um, If anybody has been reading the recent run, that is the recommendation by Donny Cates it's a recommendation I'm going to give to you. It's Doctor Strange 381 through 390 and Damnation 1 through 4. Because in the Damnation storyline, Doctor Strange does what Doctor Strange always does. He writes a check that he can't cash. Uh, and the city of Vegas has been destroyed by an alien invasion. And... Doctor Strange brings everybody back to life. But in doing so, actually pulls Mephisto and a hotel out of hell. Because that's where all the souls were being kept. And now literally Sin City is uh, filled with sin. And in in order to save Stephen... Wong assembles a group of heroes to go in and rescue everybody. And as he said, you know, Dr. Strange tells him, you know, if your soul was in trouble from Mephisto, I wouldn't think twice about saving you. And Wong says, yeah, that's the difference. Because I thought twice, three times, four times, and five times. That's why I came up with a plan that worked, whereas your plan would not work. That was a good line. Uh, So that is the one I recommend. It really shows you where Doctor Strange is a magician who can play checkers. Wong can play chess. Excuse me. Go. Oh, clap, 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 clap. I'm just glad you didn't say Chinese checkers. Everyone's pretty glad about that. I have to say the most defining moment for Wong for me is one of his descriptions from the official Marvel database, and it goes a little something like this. Wong possesses the normal human strength of a man his age, height and build, who engages in moderate regular exercise. That pretty much defines Wong for me. (laughs) He's not pushing it. I agree, Mike. He's a thinker. And he's one of those, another one of those objects in the Marvel world where he is ready to be available as a tool for writers to upset things without 
uh, any understanding or pretense of caring about what the result or the back story is. He's just another one of those, like, he's just a magical tool. And maybe I'm being a little harsh there. But he's, like, one of those guys where you're like, oh, I need to fix this, and now I've got Wong, and Wong's going to fix it. And uh, it's, I've never really, honestly, I've never really given the character much thought. Uh, I've actually given this character a lot of thought because I really liked him. Uh, in the uh, Spider uh, the Spider City uh, saga, Spider the Spider Infection, Spider Verse, Spider Verse, uh, because when Peter Parker lost his uh, Spider Sense for a while, he didn't know how to fight anymore. He just he had all the strength, all the speed, but he really was relying on his Spider um, senses uh, to fight. So Wong had to teach him a martial arts style based on the movement of spiders. And I really like that, and also uh, Mike touched upon it, but when Wong moves in after Jarvis's death, he is so goddamn bitter about the whole fucking thing that it's hilarious. Like, he is saying snide remark, remarks all through the comic book as he's walking by, like, uh, like, oh, same universe, but no one wiped feet. Great, Wong got it. Like, same kind of shit all the time. <laughs> And um, someone asked him, like, if he could cook something traditional, and uh, he said, grilled cheese. <laughs> just looked dead in the eyes, like, I'll grill you with cheese. Like, yes. So good. Those, some of the scars are 77. And what do you guys think about the live-action Wong? They got a Snarky this time. like the actor. Yeah, I, I, I like everything they've done with the cinematic version. He's provided comedic relief. I haven't seen him in Shang-Chi yet. Has anyone seen Shang-Chi yet? Yes. I have not. Is it good? Is Wong good in that? Yes. All right. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Seeing Wong fight the abomination one-on-one in a steel cage. This sounds That's brilliant. Sounds like it's, it's going to be brilliant. Really to me. Um, it's it's hilarious. I think I've read this storyline in one of the comics. Have you now? Wong's fixing fights, right? Don't tell us. Same time next week. <laughs> we do have to do Shang-Chi's movie at some point, huh? So. Anyway, well, so the kind of guy that might fix a fight or two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think Wong serves his purpose well in the Doctor Strange comic. Uh, you you are right; he is one of those kind of get out of jail cards, but he also serves as the moral center for Doctor Strange, whose ego tends to get the best of him. So him being able to just snarkily tell him what an idiot he is is a uh, is a good foil for Strange's ego. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's the counterpoint. He he can just be the intellectual counterpoint to Doctor Strange's flaws in this case, which is fine. And like I said, I've never been a fan of sort of that that Doctor Strange magic, and it's. <laughs> It is nice to see when he cannot do things that it relies on somebody else, even though it's sort of the just the opposite side of the coin. But it's sort of just a way to sort of 
etch a mark into that and say you can't do everything and but but we're still going to get this done with the the foil of magic so that, but here it is and uh and here's sort of your lesson of the day i'm going to turn this coin over and and go about my business agreed agreed <laughs> all right i guess uh, unless anyone has any last words about wong i think we're moving on mikey what do you got the front of the box at the front of the long box, I got something very apropos. We need to talk about copyright. Uh, because the estate for Steve Ditko has filed a motion in court to reclaim the rights to the uh, couple characters, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Um, so... To give you guys a little bit of background, nowadays, whenever somebody writes for DC or Marvel Comics, it's a work, it's a work for hire, and they sign a contract stating that anything that they create is the property of the publisher. Back in the early days of Marvel, they did not have these ironclad contracts. So uh, if it, it, there's two ways to look at it. One, it was either a work for hire or it was a creation by the owners and they then allowed the company the rights to that character for which they would have it for 75 years and then the rights would revert back to uh, the creator. Now, the Marvel already went through this with Kirby. Uh, however, when it went through this with Kirby's estate, they had Stan Lee still alive who could talk about whether or not it was a work for hire or not. Stan Lee is no longer alive, and in addition to Kirby, they believe that the uh, Larry Lieber is also suing because he helped create some of these characters too. Um, so there's going to be a probably a big check written to the estate's of these folks just to make this go away by Marvel or Disney, um, which is, you know, you could say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that uh, creators who uh, don't get the credit or recognition that they deserve um, and end up, you know, not doing well financially where their creations end up making a ton of money. I don't think it's very fair uh, for the company, uh, although legally speaking, yes. Uh, but morally, probably not. Like Siegel, uh, Jerry Siegel, and who was the other creator? Um, Schuster. Yeah, Siegel and Schuster went through this whole thing. They they signed a contract with DC and they did not realize Superman was going to be Superman. But they didn't care because they were making good money for DC uh, because they were running all the titles at the time, and so they were making a lot of money. And that was fine for them up until DC decided they didn't need them anymore. And once the, the editors who were keeping Siegel and Schuster afloat with decent money just left and new management came in, then 
they realized they had signed a really shitty deal uh, and ended up, you know, when when the movie Superman came out, it was either Siegel or Schuster who would go and stand in front of the theater and watch the people go in to see his creation because he couldn't afford a movie ticket to go in. But he was still excited that people were loving his character. So sad, sad, sad. So DC has done a much better job than Marvel. If you talk to, uh, as far as giving them not only the credit that they, the creators, the credit that they deserve, but paying them on the back end when one of their creations ends up in other media, and they don't have to do it, but they do it to just uh, avoid the Marvel problem. And Marvel has a big problem with this. Uh, you can listen to Ed Brubaker's comments about the Winter Soldier. You know, he has he never bothered to watch the TV show because he couldn't bear to, the idea of it because he got zero money from it. I mean, even Alan Moore, when the uh, the Watchmen came out, just sent the check back. Like, no, I don't want it. Yeah, that's different. Well. And now, is it? I mean, Alan Moore felt those were his characters, and he had the right to them. And that check was not sufficient enough, so he didn't want any of it. But that's Alan Moore. <laughs> it's a different cat, right there. Yeah. Let's let's exclude Alan Moore from that. Yeah, let's. He's he is a, a Alan poor Moore example will, of what we're talking about. Will literally rape you, like. <laughs> I mean, he'll write a story about you being raped. That's what I meant Absolutely. by literally rape you. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> so what do you guys think about the uh, the suit? Do you think it's going to go anywhere? Because I don't think that Marvel or Disney is going to let Spider-Man go. No, it's Disney, and they're just going to yeah. give them something sufficient but low enough where it's acceptable to Disney. And honestly, it's, it's Disney, right? It's... It, yeah, the nine hundred pounds. It shouldn't come to this. It, it doesn't matter to them. It's just it's just a, a minor inconvenience, and probably at the end of the day, Disney probably has some sort of slush fund that says this is what we pay lawsuits out of instead of dealing with them. So and that's what it's going to be right. So the argument is if it was not a work for hire if he licensed the rights to that character um, it was only for comics it wasn't for anything else so therefore uh, any movies or TV or you know anything yeah, any like that media. that should have been licensed through the estate so I think the reason that they'll settle out is not because they think they don't have a good they would win, but because the if the incredible damage it would cause if they didn't win a lawsuit, and there was an actual court proceeding that would set precedence, that's what they don't want. Yeah, it's just easier to just to give a, a, a sum that's so it that probably feels overwhelming to the person making the suit, and to Disney, it means literally nothing. Yeah. It's the right. change they find in uh, yeah. Mickey Mouse's <laughs> pants. And, and we we wouldn't be hearing about the suit if Disney didn't have so many lawyers on retainer. You it would have been settled already. You should have said Minnie Stong. 
Uh, I was yes. thinking Donald Duck's pockets. He ain't got no pockets. Got the wood. Got the wood. They just got to go over to the Red River Rapids and just scoop out all the change in there that fell out of everybody's pockets. All the cell phone, yeah. Hey man, this is Kevin Smith, uh, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box, comics talk for comics fans. All right, well, that's what I got at the front of the long box. LT, what do you got at the back of the long box? Well, strangely enough, I have a comic at the back of the long box called Reality Show by Jean-David Morvan and Francis Porcel. Uh, This is a a published by Europe Comics. You can find it on Comixology Unlimited. Uh, It's a great little comic. There's five volumes. Each volume is about 60 pages long uh, in typical Europe fashion. They're they're longer than a typical comic, but not really a volume that you'd consider for a, uh, a trade in America. Um, and this is a, a comic about cops that are actually reality TV stars. So there's different forms of police in this universe. There's actual kind of public servant police, but then there's also these reality TV stars that are also police. And whenever something that is reality TV worthy uh, happens, that is also cause for law enforcement, these people can kind of trump in over the normal law enforcement and take over and stream it while it's happening, while they're on TV. And it can get cut up and, and served a la carte TV wise to subscribers directly into their VR headsets and such. And it's a story about this reality TV show cop whose reality TV show cop partner dies on stage and they find a fresh new recruit out of the academy to take his place. And of course, it's a female so that they can have a love story between the new cop and his new partner. And it's just a a really well done uh, story that takes place that is on the one hand showing you that reality TV isn't reality. And that also uh, providing you this sort of fanciful fiction story that's really great and is is interesting. Science fiction story at the same time. About AI taking over everything. Yeah. So really worth it. Take a peek. Read it. If you got Comixology Unlimited, it's free. Give it a shot. Reality show. All right, I might give that a shot. Doesn't sound uh, too bad. Is it complete? Is the series complete? Is yeah, it close? yeah, it's yeah. complete. Okay. It's complete. Like I said, in five volumes, 60 pages, about 60 on pages Comics per okay. volume. Yeah, no, I meant on Comics yeah. It's complete. Start to finish. Yeah, it's complete. Free? All right. Yep. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I, I hate it when there's like two left and I can't find them. Yeah, and Comicology like, like, actually like, it's twenty nine ninety nine for the last two. You want to finish that? No, series? it's like two complete storylines, even in the reality show. So, so we're so. speaking of licensing stuff. I still cannot believe. I have a hard time believing. Why isn't this happening? Dear sweet baby Jesus, somebody give me top ten. Give it to me. It's, it's, a, it's a monster, Major. I want it. Give yeah, it. We've got the technology. We have the technology, we have the technology now. 
We do have to, so uh, just to make it uh, more clear, Top Ten is a terrific comic, one of our favorites, on which this multi-universe kind of comes together in a precinct called Top Ten, uh, which is a little bit like Brooklyn Nine-Nine for superheroes. Can we say that? Can we go with that? You know who I want to do it? Give me Luke Besson. Give me Luke Besson. Give him Top Ten. I'll say what Wash said uh, in uh, A Knife's Tale. Good God, you aim too high, Will. I do not. You aim too high, Will. That would be awesome, though. Yeah. God damn, that would be awesome. Totally sweet. Sweet. But that's a little tangential to what we were talking about. Josh, do you have a tangent for us? I do, and I just thought of it and let my brain circle back. We were talking earlier uh, in our other podcast, which is available only to our Patreon listeners. So go to patreon.com at the long box guys and subscribe for our other weekly podcast, the geek league, where we talk about everything we do during the week. And then we come back around to this. Tom and I were talking about, uh, below decks, which is the cartoon, uh, based on star Trek, which is, uh, some have accepted into Canon. And I was talking about the new, Aquaman animated series on HBO Max, where it's very sort of uh, bent towards like uh, Adventure Time, uh, sort of this ridiculous thing. So, what is your favorite uh, complete bend off of an uh, intellectual property? And I sort of stole this, Tom, so you have to either come up with something else or re-explain your love for... uh, for below decks, but so it's sort of the uh, a complete off offside tangential look at an intellectual property that you've come to enjoy, even though it's very far away or or differential from where it began. I've got this. All right. I really liked the Hanna Barbera DC comic that was done a few years ago on Space Ghost, where they took an actual serious take on Space Ghost, which was kind of a half-serious cartoon, but they took it like a hard-line, really hard-line, like, origin story on how Space Ghost became Space Ghost. All right, I'll do that. That's not bad. Okay. Uh, I don't have to defend my Star Trek one because in my head, and I'm not saying you're, you're wrong, Justin, I'm just saying in my head, I don't think that Below Decks is that far off of it. So I don't feel like it goes that far away from real Star Trek. It's a different storytelling platform, but I really feel they captured Star Trek, so I don't think it's a big leap. So I have I other ones. I, I, from a medium perspective, it's a huge leap, right? It seems like it, but you haven't watched many episodes. Like, the taste any. of it, that feel of it, stays exactly the same. So for me, I'm going to have to go with uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the terrific Black Lightning Hong Kong Fooey team-up that we had a couple years back. Now, that was amazingly good. They treated Hong Kong Fooey as a serious martial artist, teamed him up with Black Lightning, and that comic book was nothing like the cartoon. The cartoon is nothing but campy, hilarious, fun, and this was pretty much a black exploitation meets uh, Asian exploitation film, just smashing heads, and it was terrific. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. So yeah, so I get that uh, the tangential part of that sort of the when we look at things that we enjoy as a platform a property and we find some this this massive sort of divergent 
um, interface that shows us a new way to look at things. Uh, I have to circle back, of course, to friend of the podcast, Mark Russell's Flintstones. I was going to say, though, that was my second yeah. choice. Good, good I mean, I can't, I can't imagine looking at an intellectual property that changed so dramatically, but still cleaved to what the original was and then showed us an entirely new perspective on that. Uh, and I'm so glad Mark Russell has decided to join us a couple of times in this podcast, and he's one of the few guys I fanboy out about. But, uh, I, yeah, when you look at the, those sorts of, uh, of properties, no matter what they are, we really want to take a look, and it's always nice to see a completely divergent perspective that is still just what we expect. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a ninety degree angle, but it's still it's still so there. It's still present in what in what in what they intended. That kernel, it's, that heart, is still in there. Yeah, it's got the essence, but it's so much sharper. So, Mike, is there an intellectual property that has a sort of a, this? Offshoot that's completely off-brand that really enticed you. What's your uh, what's your uh, take on that? I had a guess for yours, Mikey. All right, go ahead. I was gonna say you really loved uh, the Archie versus the Undead universe, which takes Archie that's and puts true. them in that Undead category, which is completely different, but so much fucking fun. Yeah, Afterlife with Archie. You are correct. Yeah. Well played, Tom. Get out of my brain and into my pants. I mean, get out of my brain. And into your pants? You got it, buddy. <laughs> uh, that was a terrific, that was, a, who did that one? That wasn't Dan Parent, was it? No, it wasn't. No. No, uh, no, no. I know, but I like to think Dan's in every Archie one. I like Dan. Yeah. Gotta have him back out. What a nice young man. He is a nice guy. He actually goes to a gym with a really good friend of mine. They just go, happen to go to the same gym. She actually had no idea what his profession was. I just saw them on Facebook, and they were well, Facebook friends, and I'm Facebook friends with Dan and her. And I'm like, wait a minute, how do you know Dan Parent? She's like, oh, we go to the same gym? And uh, I was like, do you know what Dan does for a living? She's like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> so, it's intense. All right. Uh, I guess that brings us to plugs, guys. Yeah. Well. Just uh, in case anybody's interested, that Space Coast was done by Joe Kelly and Ariel Olivetti, and it was published by DC back in 2016. Thank you so, for that, Tommy, so, because you hadn't uh, twisted enough names for us yet today. Yeah, it was almost I, I zero name butchering in this episode. Yeah. So, well, I was pretty disappointed, actually. <laughs> in addition to thanking LT for his uh, pronunciation, I would also like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com and if you're listening to this on YouTube and saying what music are they talking about it's because we had a podcast I actually edit yeah. the podcast we don't <laughs> edit the YouTube shit we have, we have special <laughs> I'm not a very one good one or the other you get yeah. our beautiful faces or you get background music it's your fucking Ooh, choice I can do that I can make a trailer for it I can make a thing for it yeah sure my mom could make curtains. We could put on a show. It'll be swag. I'll juggle. How many clubs can you do, Josh? Nothing. I have shit. I've seen you juggle. You can juggle. I mean, I can juggle. Yeah, like three balls, like any uh, other juggler. I'm the I'm the bare juggle minimum. I can do the mess, or I can do a circle. Wait, you can't do Mills mess. What? Mills mess? A three ball mess? Yeah. 
It's like regular juggling. Oh, no, no. Mills misses too. That's a really yeah. hard. It's got like nine balls and goes backwards. It's really crazy. Welcome to yeah. the juggling podcast. Yeah, we're now a juggling podcast. It's hey, Mills I've been trying to juggle do Mills Mess for decades. It's hard. Uh, I can juggle three clubs now, and uh, I just got four balls, and I'm starting to look at and maybe think about doing some passing. Speaking of multiple balls, I'd like to thank Seth and the boys over at WhoSNextGaming.com, our fellow podcasters. So if you're interested in listening to movie, comic book, TV, video games, and, I don't know, sex robots, go over and check out Seth and the boys at WhoSNextGaming.com. And, of course, LT, who would you like to I'd like, I'd like to plug... GeekOrthodox.com GeekOrthodox.com for very fine t-shirts and other geeky things such as stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, you name it, they've got it. Socks, baseball tees, baseball hats, prints, you name it, they got it. GeekOrthodox.com Literally 50% of this podcast is wearing their t-shirts right now. Yeah. 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 And I hate using nice. the word literally, but it, you know, it's literally. But when it's literally true, it's okay. That's okay. But so <laughs> often not literally. Ah, oh, man. Gorilla but. Monsoon love. They are figurative. They are literally hanging off the rafters. No, they're not. That's huh. very dangerous. That is, that is very And if you're allowed very to dangerous. do that, Mr. Monsoon, can I call you mm-hmm. Mr. Monsoon? May That's I? on you and a huge liability. Yeah. Literally hanging off the rafters at the Superdome. No. 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 I, I, I bet you the Superdome made you sign a bunch of waivers for that. Owen oh, uh, Hart did it once. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he didn't do no, it for very no, long, no. Yellow card. Yellow card myself. Yellow card for Tom. Yep. Yep. Right there, buddy. I love that. That's yellow. It's not coming out yeah, good. Something hey. stuck to it. That, might yeah. that wasn't good. I didn't feel good about that joke. You did not. You don't look good about it. Right? I don't know. I looked good. <laughs> you know, I would also like to thank that guy on eBay who sold me Justice League of America number one. Uh, do you want to tell us the number, Mikey? Besides uh, number one, asshole. <laughs> uh, it is a... 2.5, so it is not a high-grade comic. Okay, good, good. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it was well within my price range. All right. You tell us after this goddamn podcast. So with that, I only need one issue, of, and that is issue number two, and I will have the entire Justice League of America run. Wow. I wonder what that would go for if you sold it as a run. I don't know. But my son will be able to tell you <laughs> in about 10 years. Let's hope 20 years. Come on. Yeah. Oh, well, you couldn't help a little more? <laughs> you oh, son I, of a bitch. I was being nice. <laughs> I've met all of us 20 years on the outside. I I got 20 bucks on me in the Deadpool. What are you talking about? I'm cheating, though. Doctor said, "If I drink one more scotch, I'm going to die." I'm like, "Here's to me, Doc." And I'd also like to per week. <laughs> I'd also like to plug our Patreon. 
You can go over to patreon.com slash the long box guys and for a mere one dollar a month. Like a cup of coffee. Less than less than a third of a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's like if you want three ounces of coffee or you can get an extra podcast every week we decide to make a podcast. It's called The Geek Leak. It is charming as hell. Tom is our host. Josh, LT, myself, and sometimes Stacy all talk about the geeky things we did this week outside of the comic book realm. So if you're interested in any of that, go ahead and check it out. Also, if you're just interested in doing good, because every dollar that we get at the Geek Leak goes over to the Elizabeth Peabody House Food Bank. So if you want to hear us ramble on for 30 or 40 minutes every week about other stuff, you are actually helping feed folks. And sometimes we're more drunk and sometimes we're less drunk than this. So you're taking your chances. Yeah. Yeah, Go fast. Take chances. Damn right. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. And that'll do it for us, guys. Mikey, what's this podcast like to you? It's like drunk history, but for comics. LT, any last words of wisdom for us? If you haven't gotten a shot, it's not too late to get a shot. You can get two shots, now you can get three shots. Shot, 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 February 17th to the 20th, 18th to the 20th, something like that. Uh, the Longbox guys will be down in Pensacola, Florida at Pensacon. We'll be enjoying all the things at Pensacon. We'll be doing panels. We'll be doing karaoke. We'll be doing sing-alongs. We're going to hope Jerry Fatone's gonna, Joey Fatone's going to be there so we can Fatone the shit out of that guy. I have a whole box of stuff to give away at the last Nerd Standing. And we assure anybody who has been to our previous contest, they will be the same fucking questions that we ask every year. But Joey's going to be a Rhode Island Joey. Joey. I might have to go to Rhode Island Comic Con just to fatone the fatoner. You know what I'm saying? He's low on fatoner. He's getting low on fatoner. And I'm going to be the motherfucker to replace it. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, and uh, don't forget what I always say. Don't just what you hate. Just promote what you love. You'll live longer. Thank you for the love, guys. Bye.